but I feel like I spend half my life like double high-fiving resentment and being like, 20 to nothing, yeah! Welcome to Christ in the Chaos, where a pastor's kid and a kid's ministry director talk about raising a Christ-centered family. We're not sure we know what we're doing, but we are right in the thick of it. And this is how we're finding Christ in the Chaos. Welcome back to Christ in the Chaos. I am Kathleen. And I'm Joel. Sorry, it took me a minute to remember who I was. <laughs> um, today we are going to be talking about communication, both um, from a marriage standpoint but also from a parenting standpoint. I would say from a relationship standpoint. You don't have to be married to communicate. No, it's true. But we're talking about it from a marriage standpoint and then from a parenting standpoint. Thank you for your input. And I would um, still say relationship (laughs) standpoint, I don't think. um, Oh, my outline just went away. Um, And so, but before we get into the topic today, I just (laughs) want to do a family check-in. How are you doing, Joel? I'm good. Oh my gosh, you can't say you're good. I we're can. So not I'm Danish good. good. Uh, no, we're good. We just had a, a big discussion about communication where I think we oh, learned yeah, it went really well too. About how we communicate. Um, and it probably was my failure of communication in the beginning that caused most of the problems. But I'm also willing to blame Levi for refusing to sleep ever at all. Levi just took two hours to put to sleep. To be fair, he took a nap. Took a nap today, and any day he takes a nap, he doesn't go to sleep. And we Instagram about it, so you can watch out for that on our Instagram stories. But um, mm, on our private Instagram stories, oh I don't share gosh. pictures of my kids on Christ and the Kids. Oh my gosh, I will. You don't worry. There's already pictures of them on there. Anyway, regardless, it was. How are you? It was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. Yeah, we're both really tired. We probably shouldn't be recording. <laughs> we we both literally just yelled at each other out of out of like the. It's not okay to yell at a two-year-old for not, or uh, he's almost three. It is not okay to yell at a three-year-old for not going to sleep. See, so here's where we, we have a difference at of opinion. each other instead. I think it's absolutely um, okay to yell And at so him. that's where we are, is uh, very frustrated. It's very late. We're very tired. And with that very promising introduction, let's get going with our topic. So now we're going to get to our topic today, which is communications and communication is key in any relationship. Well, yes. And if we're going to look at um, like our God is a God of relationships, of relating to him and relating to each other. And communication is the center of that. I'm looking first to just Matthew 22, 39, uh, where Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself. Um It's such an interesting thing to think about because if you're going to love another person the same way you would like to be treated or the same way you love yourself, you have to know what the other person is thinking. If I'm going to love you as if you were me, I got to know what's going on in your mind. And communication is the only way to find out what is going on in your mind. Um, So communication is just that kind of baseline principle to make that happen. When Matthew... 18, it says, right, if somebody sins against you, right, right, that's what Jesus did. What is it? What is it we're supposed to do? The first thing you do is you go talk to them. That's what the Bible says. When there's a problem, you go talk to the person. You commute, you talk it out. You don't 
go in front of the group, you go privately to that person and discuss it with them and try and resolve the issue. Jesus provides many examples of great communication and where when you read through the gospel in particular, you look at it and you're like, oh, every um, word and action um, was perfect. Every word and action was the model of communication. And um, so there's so much to be learned, not just from the stories and what happened, but by the way um, Jesus did certain things. Like at one point I remember reading about healing the blind, how he used to like touch their eyes. And it was like, he could have done it without touching their eyes, but it communicated to everyone else what he was doing. And it communicated to the person who was being healed, what was going on, because that's what, that was what their frame of reference was. Um, And also the other way around, he spent a lot of time trying to understand other people. What are they doing? What do they want? Why are they asking this? You know, what will help them see, right? With Lazarus, he said, oh, I could have gotten here earlier, but then you wouldn't have seen. Yeah, you was, need to understand what's going on. I'm thinking of the woman who um, who touched Jesus's cloak and needed to be healed. And he kind of said like the whole conversation about um, even a dog eats their master's scraps like that, where it sounds mm-hmm. like the snarkiest, meanest thing that Jesus says. But like there was a purpose behind that choice of communication. Um, and he needed to, to help her to come around to what she needed to understand. Um, right. So communication is important. It's important in our relationships so we can understand each other so we can get through day to day. How do we do that? Okay. So we came up with some, these are not, this is not an exhaustive list, but here is a list of things that we identified as good for communication. Good communication is frequent, intentional, between people who trust each other, soaked in affirmation, humble, mutually understood, and open-hearted. And so, easy 15-point process. <laughs> well, I mean, so many came up. I feel like we, like, I kind of combined a few into like overarching topics because there's so communication is so complicated um, that it's a it's no wonder we all do a terrible job at it. Um, but we're going to talk about our our marriage first, and we're going to talk about those categories with regard to our strengths. And we're then don't use worry, our marriage as a lens. We're, don't worry, we'll get into our weaknesses. Um, so one of our strengths that we identified was our frequency, um, because <laughs> we talk a lot, and I actually think we listen a lot too for the purposes of of um, a better rebutting the other. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're both. Well, we're both attorneys, or at least trained as attorneys. And one of the things they do to you in law school is they they teach you to listen and they teach you to talk, but also no one's ever gone to law school because they hate the sound of their own voice. Yes. And so I think that- We created a podcast for that reason. One of our strengths that we have that I think is really good, and you know, if you don't have it, maybe look into intentionally, maybe we should have started with intentionality. Um making a practice of just talking more and arguing more and discussing more and disagreeing more and agreeing and listening more. more. If you're a bad listener, like I really try. And I think I've come a long way on the listening thing, but I still can feel that, that, um, that feeling of, of somebody's talking and I'm like, Ooh, I've already know what I'm going to say. And I'm sure what you're saying is, great and all but i've already formulated my response so for me i guess while while we communicate a lot between the two of us as part of our marriage um 
of active listing is and mm-hmm. that's something I'm working on. But as far as communication generally, I would say don't rely on quality, rely on quantity. Yeah. Like just get it out there as much as possible. Talk, 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 talk. And then, right, just by accident, by statistics, you'll find those soft spaces and you'll be able to fix them. I think that one of the, so we've kind of put a little like tidbit of like what we could do to make it a little bit better. Um, I think that uh, turning off your phones, like having a time where you don't have phones, we do, we do phones. We used to have a hot tub. Oh yeah, it was so good. That was good. Well, because then you get in, you had to put your phone away. You couldn't yeah. have your phone. I mean, now phone. now with today's technology and life proof cases, I feel life proof case is not a sponsor of Christ in the Chaos. But I feel like we could bring our phones in. Um, but I was thinking like we could say no phones at the dinner table. But I don't feel like that's necessary because we talk a lot at the dinner table. We talk so much, especially to each other, that our kids like basically tell us to be quiet so that they can like eat in peace. Um, so I don't think we lack communication at the dinner table. Well, yeah. And I think kind of the theme of this podcast, right? Build systems, find a time or find a trigger, whatever it is you can do. Like, oh, it's 25 after time for me to say something to my spouse. Hey, honey, what do you think about this sports team, about Starbucks? About, about the sport ball? Yeah, we yeah. know Joel knows so much about sports. Well, I didn't want to say a specific team. But go kick. That's because you don't know any. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. The, the second. Do we have kindness in here anywhere? Um, that's open heartedness. Right. And if in case you're wondering, it's one of our weaknesses. <laughs> Let's get to the second one. Okay. The next one is intentionality, which means you communicate on purpose about things that matter. And we sort of cheat on this one because the podcast is one of those things where we have intentionally in our week built in a major discussion about things that matter in the way we're forming our family. Um, so don't compete with us by creating a podcast. Um, but do use our podcast as a jumping off point. Yeah, especially when Joel does his awkward, and now it's your time to check in with your family. Check in I with mean, your family. I mean, maybe you really could. Pause the <laughs> podcast right now. Check in with your spouse or a significant other. Turn to them and say, hey, how are you doing? Well, one of the other things that we do um, is that we do a lot of shared endeavors i mean we parent very um like we parent together not doing that by myself we don't do parallel parenting um we do ministry together so that's another thing we like to work on the house together um we used to do projects together and we loved it like it was one Mm -hmm. of the things we tend to be in a better place when we are working together we went through law school together we studied for the bar together we used to refurnish furniture together we um, have been doing ministry together (laughs) and it was very hard for me when you were um, when the kids were very young and you were not doing ministry with me and you were taking care of our kids which is great on Sundays but I really missed the shared endeavor the the thing that we did together and now we're we're doing that again and it I I love it and I love having you there for it because it's a big part of my life and it feels like we it really feels like we're um doing important things together um, one of the things about like building it in, so having an intentional time that you talk about things that matter about like coming up with the sort of topics you want to talk about is you just have to get over the awkwardness of bringing up big subjects. Um, I remember the, there was a certain topic that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, and it probably took me like three months to like say it out loud. And I was like, we talk about everything, but it was a big enough topic 
where I, I just couldn't even say the words. Um, but it was like eating me alive. And so having those, um, it's your, if it, if it is your spouse or whoever, if it's important enough that it's festering in your soul, then it's important enough to say out loud to a person, even if it surprises the person. And even if it's awkward for you. Yeah. And we ended up painting the bathroom green. So it all worked out. (laughs) And we did not end up painting the bathroom green and I'm still bitter about it. The next one is uh, soaked in affirmation. That's my like, oh, it sounds like super Christianese. But we were trying to come up with a way of like explaining the idea that when you communicate and you are in a constant state of affirming each other, um, that like whatever you say is heard better um, when the person is used to you being supportive and used to you. Affirming them. Set the habit and set the baseline that what we normally do is say nice things about each other. Um, And I actually, despite what it might sound like, I feel like anybody that sees us in public is like, oh, you guys are not good at this. Um, I don't mean that we're always kind to each other. What I mean is that on a regular basis, we verbally acknowledge our appreciation for each other. Um, our appreciation for the things that each other do, but also the appreciation for the things that the other are and the things that they bring to the table. Um, you know, you are so uh, good at this. Thank you for carrying this. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for being this way and making me feel this way. Um, we say it out loud. And I actually think sometimes it's just a matter. I like watch other couples that struggle with this. And it's like, well, it would be weird for me to say that. And it's like, okay, but you just get over that because it's so good to have the rest of your communication with that baseline that Mm -hmm. you just have to get over it. Yeah. First Thessalonians 5.11. You got it. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Yeah. And that was the like early church. But the idea is like there's the shared endeavor of like for us life. Um, for them, a life in Christ, it's when you are building each other up, the rest of it um, is built on that foundation. The next one is? Next one is trust, right? And that soaked in affirmation helps build that trust. It helps build that baseline of trusting each other so that when there is an argument, when there's a fight, when there's, we call them fights, but sometimes they're just Dane asked me today. He said, I was saying, oh, they're, oh, because Ron and Harry are fighting in Gobble to Fire. And he said, is it a hand fight or a mouth fight? And I was like, oh, it's just a mouth fight, sweetie. <laughs> what a um, special child. Well, um, but when you have those ma- fights, I can't even mouth say Mouth fights. Uh, <laughs> it, having that baseline of trusting that the other person is not coming from a place where they are intentionally hurting you, where they are trying to be, where they were thinking, hey, I'm not going to turn off any of the lights in the living room ever because I want to upset Joel. Or I'm going to leave all of my banana bread dishes sitting in the sink. Yeah, whatever thing you did wrong. <laughs> um, here's 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And um, living in truth... Uh, with each other, not having a facade up or keeping things to ourselves or being deceitful. I would say upon reflection and just looking at the lives of just 
where I am in life right now, that that is our communication strength. And the way, the way that comes in most of the time is we don't do a great job always of communicating with each other. We speak different languages, which we'll talk a little bit more about in, in a few minutes. But when it comes down to it, you say, it wasn't my intention to say that you look fat in those jeans. And, you know, this but is... the mirror don't lie. Yeah, but this is what I really meant. <laughs> I just yeah, that out. No, <laughs> too bad it was overlapped with what I was saying. Um, that's not what I really meant. I trust you enough to know that you are not manipulating me, that you are not lying to me, that you just said a dumb thing that sounded a dumb way. And um, I would never. Well, because I edited that last thing out so they don't know. Um, and I think you have in the in the outline can't be learned. I would disagree. I think it can be learned that if you do it, if you act trustworthy, if you just do it and do it and do it, you can learn yeah, to be that. No, 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 no. And I'm you sorry. can learn to it's trust. Not, I agree with you. No, you can caught if you are somebody who has been deceitful and untrustworthy in the past, you can learn to be trustworthy. What my point was when I said it can't be learned is that it is not a communication skill that can be learned. It has to be built over time. And even somebody who changes from someone who has a deceitful heart and is a liar and holds up a facade, if they are going to become a trustworthy person, no matter how committed they are to that, it is a long process because you have to build up the trust. You have to, that is something you have to put in the bank, just like the words of affirmation, you've got to build up the trust. And, um, and in all of this, it's the linchpin for the whole thing. If you don't have it, you can't have good communication. Yeah. You can build it over time and you can commit to staying involved in a marriage or in a family um, where it doesn't exist because you are committed to building it over time, but you cannot have good communication without trust. Yeah, but that building it brings us to our next topic um, pretty naturally. <laughs> So, okay. You got to stay humble. This is one of our weaknesses. What? Um, <laughs> we are not a humble people. And um, we've been married for an entire like five minutes. We've put on a marriage advice podcast. Let's do this. Romans 12, 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. And that's really uh, that. The key one is that never be wise in your own sight. I was going to say that's going to be really hard for you to do because you're always a hottie. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> So Joel and I both See, consider that's constant affirmation people. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> consider ourselves brilliant. Um, and one of the problems with that is that even though I trust his um when he says I didn't intend that, I tend to sometimes go even around him and be like, Yeah, that's not what you think you intended, but I know you better than you know you. And here's what's really going on in your mind. And it's not about not trusting his genuineness. It's about not trusting his um, self-reflection. And that like, oh, I know more about what's going on in your, like, we, we don't come at um, almost any issue with a lot of humility. And uh, I've never heard that word. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, and the kind of one of the difficulties is, right, we... I mean, you took a test and the answer came out that you were, in fact, brilliant. Um, right. And it's so it's hard to uh, it's hard to be humble when you know so much better than the other person. And we're just bad at it. Yeah, you are better at. Um, 
engineering stuff than me. I'm going to give you that one hardcore. But anyway, we like to we like to categorize which ones, which things we're smarter than each other at. Which is terrible. No, it's it is. And, and yet we love each other very much. But that's actually one of the affirming things when I genuinely am like, oh, he's better at me in this way. I like to tell you that because I feel like you'll give yourself a pat on the back. Um because I'm so not humble most of the time that when I am willing to acknowledge yes. that you're good at something, then um, it's, and it's hard when it's you the see, real deal. When I see the like couples who are really good at being humble and like being like, well, we disagree, but you know, he she might be right. I'm always like, ah, I don't, I don't get that. You okay? We did put it in weaknesses, but I we do we try. One of the things that is not in the outline now that I think about it is the fact that we are a couple that does not. Um, we don't have a rule that we don't go to bed angry, but we never really have. We don't hold grudges. We haven't had any extent. We've had um, extended periods of like where we're not especially connected to each other or um, like, note Levi year like 12 months to 17 months or whatever. But like we have never had an extended fight or held a grudge about a specific issue for an extended period of time. Which. Again, I think it is in the outline if we look at open heartedness. Oh, yeah. Um, but and I think that's that leads pretty directly to I, the best marriage advice I ever heard um, is to remember that it's not you versus your spouse. The score will never be you won them zero. The score is always going to be you guys zero. Anger one, you guys zero resentment one. You know, your marriage, zero, hate, one. Like, it, it's any, never you against them. Anytime you come into a um, conversation or a disagreement with humility, it's, uh, like, hate, zero, Jesus, one. Yeah. Um, it's like, and, and, it's, and it's great because every single time you can um, come into a, a fight with humility and reach a place of, like, oh, I feel loved and i feel heard and i feel it's like oh that's just like every each one of those is a little testimony of the gospel mm -hmm. it's like you can you know that that works and when you have fights and you come into them with humility and it fixes itself you're like oh i can see it in my own life on a regular basis yeah and i think it's it's something that's worked well for me i think that I, it's really good of anytime you feel like you've scored a point and your spouse hasn't you need to stop and back up and like figure out where you went wrong because it's gone wrong. You you can't score a point if your spouse doesn't. You can only score points together. <laughs> yep, that's genius. You're yes. on the same team. And so anytime you find yourself going, ha, I got her or him, you need to go, wait, dang, that's <laughs> same bad. Team. We are the same, same, are the same team. team, which is a very good sports analogy for if you. If I scored a point against her, I just dunked on myself. Yep. Um, I like that. I, I scored a point for hate. I scored a point for resentment. It's one of those things where if we're trying to build up rather than break apart, you need to remember who, who what team you're on and who you're scoring points for. Uh, it's like playing soccer with little kids. Which way is the goal, guys? That's our first question is which <laughs> way is the goal? Don't kick it into our own goal. I like it. One of the things also we have found that we are not good at is that we do not have mutual understanding we do not speak the same language and let me tell you why this is ridiculous we are both from 
middle to upper middle class white nuclear families with parents who are married. We were both born in the 80s, uh, the early 80s, me more <laughs> mid, him more early. We are both families with three no children. Need to emphasize that. We are both middle children. We both have older sisters and younger brothers. We grew up in some ways so similarly, and yet it feels like he is from a like I wouldn't it, even we say speak planet. different languages. No, it you is. You speak Kathleen. I speak English. Yeah, no. Like human being English, and you speak who crazy knows town. Us is listening to this and being like, no, she makes sense. And nobody, nothing thinks, you ever says makes no sense. No one thinks either of us ever makes sense. It. <laughs> so we have, so we still have issues all the time, and and I really don't get offended easily. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't think I get offended easily. But um, there's a couple of examples. One of the things mostly is, is my family where they'll say something you'll be like, oh I can't believe they said that, and you, then I, I say don't like, understand anything your family I say, says. Well, you know, when we were with your family, blah blah blah, you were always like, well, that's yeah, so my reasonable. Parent, my they, family makes total sense. Yeah. Um. Well, and the other thing, and and to be fair, I do believe that in the part part because we are now living in my family's culture. We are in the same geographic location, living at I would say probably nope. the halfway. Tw- nope, your family makes as much sense to me as my family okay, makes to right. you. All right, but let's talk about. It. So one of the things that you always I love your family. Say, I know they're listening, and I love you guys. But you you all speak Kathleen, and I don't understand it. Uh, one of the things you used to say to me all the time was. Those aren't my favorite jeans. And what I heard every single time was, I look terrible in these jeans. Um, because why would you even bring it up? Like, you could be like, those aren't my favorite jeans. Those are my... Like, no, you would only bring it up if you were trying to convey to me that I did not look very good in those jeans. Explain to me what you actually meant. Those weren't my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> You have one pair of pants that is my favorite. And whenever you ask me... How do I look in these? Those aren't my favorite. Uh, you look fine, but they're not my favorite. Okay. <laughs> I don't understand why you why. you're like, how come all of my jeans aren't your favorite? I'm like, because only one pair is my favorite. I know. So statistically, you're you're just hosed. My interpretation makes more sense because our almost three-year-old now, <laughs> when he doesn't like something... He his way of dealing with it is by holding it up in the air, running through the hallway and screaming, "It's not my favorite," which means that's yeah, what so you're you say saying when you hate something. Logically, you align with a 2-year-old, and so therefore your interpretation is correct. Yes, because at its very base fundamental level, my interpretation makes more sense. Um uh, yeah. We the, also I think an even better example is my mother who I can talk about because she doesn't listen to this, uh, is a, an honest person. She is very forthright. She just says whatever happens to be going on in front of her all the time. Um, like a, like a, like you get a little you just know exactly vision what she's into her mind. You never have to worry about what she thinks about you because she will tell you that it, it accidentally by um, her running monologue. Yeah. And so she also is an unhealthy emotional person and she spends that energy cleaning. And so she spends a lot of time cleaning and she assumes everyone else does too. And she assumes Kathleen spends a lot of time scrubbing and cleaning the house. Oh, which I don't. Which she does not. And so the other day my mom said, you know, Kathleen, you should really have the maid come twice a month instead of one because we 
have a lady come in and clean the things we forget to once a month. So you should have her come in twice a month. And of course, Kathleen heard your house is dirty. You're not doing a good job. She said, I think that would help you. And yes, I was like, my initial reaction was I didn't freak out about it because I, I, if I freaked out about everything your mom said through her running monologue, I, she would have been thrown out a window by now, but that's not, it wasn't me. It wasn't meant to be, um, but I talked to her about it later and I said, the thing is it wouldn't help me because I don't do any additional cleaning and would just make my house cleaner, which makes it sound like you're saying I have a dirty house. Not what she meant. What she was thinking, and I know what she was thinking because I speak her language. What she was thinking was, wow, Kathleen is doing a lot. She's got a lot on her plate. I wonder if there is any advice I can give her that would help make her life easier. You're not giving your mom enough credit. Any help that she could uh, offer. Yeah. How can I help her? Oh, maybe she, maybe she's too <laughs> so- embarrassed to have the the lady come twice a month because she feels like she needs no, to be in charge of the to house. Poe, which is the actual reason. It's true. But, you know, she didn't know that. And so she says, hey, she maybe you could have the lady come twice. That would take some stuff off your plate because you are working too hard. Yeah, I'm just scrubbing those toilets and every Kathleen Monday, And what Kathleen heard was, your house is bad. You're a bad mom and wife and homemaker. Um, even though you're not a homemaker, you're a working mom. And... And I think that is a really good lesson in try and, you know, try and take that, build up that positive reinforcement, build up that trust, build up that open-mindedness so that when that miscommunication happens, you take it as, I know she didn't mean it that way. Let me figure out how she meant it. It's a matter of having grace um, for, because I know I can think of one listener who is going to listen to this. And she's going to be gritting her teeth and she's going to show up to me at lunch on Tuesday and be like, I cannot believe your mother-in-law said that. And that's like, the, I by almost all objective. No, she totally said that. Yeah, and I know she did. Um, That it sounds like absolutely like a totally rude thing to say. But I really do know, again, I trust her and I know it wasn't meant to be rude. And um, I also can just forgive the way it came out because because she's just totally earned that forgiveness. And also because I should forgive anyway. Hey, speaking of forgiveness. So our last category, um, our last, what do we call it? Factor in good uh, communication is open-heartedness, which was my way of trying to capture a willingness to forgive and a willingness to repent. And this is on one of our weaknesses, but it is only a weakness for me, really. Um, Oh, yeah. No, I'm great at repenting. Oh, no, you take responsibility. And let me, maybe you are bad at this, but let me describe this feeling. And I feel like that there are people who will identify with it. There are times when we get pretty far into an argument. And um, while I think that there are almost always factors on both sides, I realize like way too far in that I have something to repent for in the argument and not just like something small, but like basically 50% or more of the entire basis of it. And um, I sit there and it gets like hot around my ears and I like cross my arms and I'm not mad at Joel. I'm getting madder and madder at myself because I'm realizing that I speak. I'm realizing that I am going to lose a point in that game that we were talking about earlier. Like I'm talking like I'm really good at it, but I feel like I spend half my life like 
double high-fiving resentment and being like, 20 to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I... I get it. And, and I will say, and it get getting over that hump, getting over that. Ooh, I just have to say, you know what? I made this error and not in a like, but also you did this, blah, 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 blah. But also to just take responsibility for the thing that you did wrong or the things that you did wrong or the series of events that was caused by your initial wrong thing that were all wrong and being willing to just say, stop. I'm responsible for the following things. I should have been better and I'm sorry. Um, if when you get to that point in an argument, which I think we do get there a lot of the time, um, regardless of that hot feeling of me sitting there getting frustrated with myself for not scoring my points. Um, it just, it, it changes everything. It, it almost immediately um, disarms everyone and brings them back to like a normal levels. It's just un- the power of repentance of genuine repentance is unbelievable. And yet sometimes I would rather sit there and let my ears get hot. (laughs) I think on the other side of that, the power of forgiveness of um, when your spouse screws up and he will, sorry, honey. Oh, I know. um, Of right. Looking at the scoreboard and saying, screw it. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. It's 20 to nothing. And we need to win this game. Um, And realizing like you're high-fiving the wrong team. Yep. And then getting yeah, on the that's right exactly team. what it is it's realizing you're high-fiving the wrong getting team. on the right team and being like hey it, look it doesn't matter who's been missing threes kathleen we need to get out there and we need to win and the only way we can do that is together and the only way we can be together is if i throw my hands up and say it doesn't matter who's wrong who's right we're on the same team let's be on the same team and it's not a matter of just like rubbing each other's backs and saying kumbaya it's a matter of like I'm going to really look at what my responsibility was for this in this. And um, I'm going to take responsibility yeah. for it. You can't fix the other person. You can't change the other person, um, but you can fix you. And yeah. And it models it for the other person. And it's not like I need to be like your model or you need to be my model in that way. But it's like when one person gets over the hump, the other person almost can't help but join. You know who else it models it for? Our kids. Um, so kind of going back to all of those same um, factors. They all apply to kids, kills just me. weirder. Frequency kills me because I will not leave our kids alone, um, either communicating to or communicating, um, trying to get them to communicate with me. I am like a broken record of like, tell me about your school. Tell me about your day. What did this make you feel? What was your favorite part of this? Like they, they probably... I mean, they know I care about them. There's that. Um, but it's it's different when I know I know it will be different when they are older. Um, that some point um I will not be the center of their universe and they will not want to communicate with me. And um so I, I don't think feel like we have a lot of expertise on on the older kids because that's obviously a totally different ballgame. No, but I think it starts the same way of building up that trust, of giving them a stable place where they know they can you know, they can mess up and they can get in trouble, but that it's a a safe place to do those things and that they have a place to land with you and that they trust you so that when you say, hey, here's where you messed up or here's where we can do better, that that, that comes again from a place of love, from a place of trust. It It's harder with kids because you can't just explain what you were thinking because you can't say, hey, buddy, look, 
daddy was tired. Daddy had a hard day at work. And so he yelled at you and that stunk. But also maybe don't, you know, leave your Legos all over. That's 100% on you. Like having to explain to them like, hey, buddy, it's okay. Every Like, I don't know. It's hard with kids. Um, So uh, one of the other things, too, with uh, intentionality, we talked about in um, with marriage, how it was about like building in purposeful conversations um, with kids. Um, you have way more opportunity, especially when they're young. I know I know it changes when they get older, but it's a matter of like taking the opportunities when they come up. Um, I am the queen of overtaking the opportunities and um, getting the blank stare from my kid of like, okay, I just asked you what color jello it was. Um, but at the same time, it's like we can um, we can have a lot of important conversations uh, just because I found the opportunity today. Dane, I had Dane, we're working on reading. And so I had him read, I have a mug that says, um, mom's the boss. And he looked at me and he goes, no, mom, God's the boss. And so we had this whole conversation about um, that he was right and that it was good for him um, to understand that and that, you know, that he was really like, I don't know. It's just it was like an opportunity where I could have been like, oh, that's cute. But it's like, no, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to affirm him and to and to validate what he said. Um, And I think a lot of the time it's just tempting to like. I know for me, it is very tempting sometimes to uh, stare at my phone and or just watch House Hunters or or drink my tea and and not um, take those ends. But but intentionality requires that you look for the ends and take them when they come. With regard to um, consistency, um, though that's like a behavior management strategy for kids, it's the main thing is that it is a trust building thing. When you're when you say you're going to do something and you do it, um, when you say something is going to happen and it's true, um, then they will trust what you say, um, regardless of your reasons for doing it. And that can all come later as they mature. But it, I just I think that trust with kids, especially we have a two and four year old or almost three and four year old. And um, it's just about consistency because they don't understand the complexities of deceit and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Uh, Although it is really fun when they try and be sneaky. They're so bad at it. They'll yeah, get better. Oh, it is so. It, I wish it wasn't so cute because it is hard to <laughs> get mad at them. Um, soaked in affirmation, I will say and admit our kids are way they're too soaked in affirmation. What? Uh, I, I cannot help but look at my kids and be like, God got it right when he put us together and you are the best big brother and you are the best little brother. And it's just like a constant, that's all they hear. Um, but the thing about it is um, they talk to each other and to random people on the street and to our dog that way. And that is worth it to me. Um, yeah. And also, every once in a while, you have to say, what on earth, what is the plan here, man? What on earth are you thinking? That was not a good thing to do. Yeah. And it, right, it all comes back to that intentionally, consistently well, having that place of trust so that when you say you did a bad thing, they don't hear you are a bad person. They hear, hey. You're a good person who did a bad thing. I have to say my favorite thing that Dane does is that when he has done something um, good, 
I always take it like, you know, something that's really like kind of above and beyond, which he has a tendency to do. Um, instead of being like, good job, buddy. Um, I will get down at his level, explain to him what it is he did and um, tell him why it was good. And every single time he realizes that that's what I'm doing, um, it's usually about like two thirds the way into me explaining what he did. He gets this smile on his face that's like, I know I did the right thing. And um, as soon as I stop talking, he wants to hug me because he like we have a routine of, of these kind of big affirmations. And the smile that comes across his face when it clicks over in his brain that he's being affirmed is better than any smile that that kid gives. And As opposed to little brother who his best smile is the one when he's doing something he knows he shouldn't. It is true. <laughs> he's like got the cutest mischievous smile. It's going to be a big problem. Um, humility with kids. Do you admit your mistakes, Joel DeMant? When I make one, I will. Um, no, I would never admit a mistake to a child. I totally fundamentally disagree with that. <laughs> I admit... I it's okay. We can disagree and still be. I don't want um, them to think it's okay to yell at the dog or to yell at them or to if I like do something physical in frustration, drop something on purpose or slam a door. Um, I always acknowledge that it was the wrong thing um, because I I cannot let that behavior be their model. And the only way I can diffuse that it doesn't undo it. But the only way I can diffuse it is by admitting when I've done something mm -hmm. wrong. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, yeah, yeah, mutual understanding with the kids is, like, developmental. Someday like, we'll understand we have, I have no idea what Levi's saying 99% of the time at this point. Um, Dane is obviously way more um, verbal and able to understand. Um, but I forget how little he understands. He asked me today, Mom, do we have a local library? And I was like, yes, sweetie, we go to the library all the time. He goes, no, but is it a local one? And I'm like, I guess at the bidding of Arthur, I think they said you could pick up Arthur books at the end of your or at the uh, at your local library. And he's like, he had no concept of what the word local means. And I just forget like little things like that um, because he speaks at such a like, you know, not adult, but he's five. He talks like a person now. I forget that there's like huge gaps in what he does and doesn't understand. Yeah. So I guess part of humility and understanding with your kids is understanding that when they do something just terrible and dumb, just super it's not, Looney Tunes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that they are doing it on purpose to hurt you or that they're mad or that they're even bad. It's just they just aren't there necessarily. Yeah. Um, an open hearted. So being willing to repent and forgive. I mean, I could forgive my kids until the end of time. Um, but it, repenting kind of goes with that, uh, humility thing. Um, and then I really try to get them to, um, say that they're sorry and forgive each other, but usually I'm not great about it unless they've do, done something physical with each other. That's when we tend to make it a bigger deal. If somebody shoves, pushes, um, kicks or just hurts the other one in any way, or even if it is an accident, I tend to like require like you need to ask for forgiveness or you need to say you're sorry. You need to ask to be forgiven. And then I try to get the other one to do it. But like but usually only if it's physical. so when Dane pushes Levi, it's always Dane pushes Levi. <laughs> oh, but Levi can Levi. You know what, though? I I would include in that like when Levi intentionally breaks something that Dane's been working on, which comes up a lot because um, it's such a like obvious affront that asking for forgiveness makes sense in that circumstance. 
Yeah. It's all complicated and hard and not always fun. All of communication is complicated and hard, but I think that the thing to like, it's all rooted in trust. And if you trust each other and you want to love each other well, then you will figure it out um, when your heart is there and there's no skill or set of uh, ideas that could overcome that. You know, it's not hard, though segues so that came up okay so for that for this week we were um in our kitchen where we have um above our kitchen is an attic access and basically it's a big rectangle on our ceiling and dane had got a batarang from a teen titans batarang from mcdonald's um because that's where we have like 40 percent of our meals and um he was shooting the batarang and he was trying to get it to hit the ceiling and um, pretty soon he's sitting there going, please, God, please, God, help the batarang hit the ceiling. Please get it up there. And I thought to myself, oh, um, this isn't going to happen um, because <laughs> I mean, I guess God the could do it. little spring wasn't there. Um, no, but it like physically was um, just, I mean, it would have literally taken a miracle from God. And I thought, this is silly because I would, didn't when I didn't want to demean, I mean, when he like goes to God for any reason, um, in prayer, I'm like, okay, he gets that when, when he needs help with something, that's where he goes, didn't want to discourage that. So I stopped and I was like, how am I going to, and I was like, okay, what is really happening here? I said, Dane, uh, sometimes when God wants to help us, it doesn't look like a flying batarang miracle. Like you're expecting. Sometimes what God does to help us is he sends somebody um, who is there to do what you can't do for yourself. And so then I lifted Dane up above my head and it took like six tries. Cause even with him all the way extended over my head and his arms all the way up and the battering shooting like two feet, it still like was not, it was like hard to get it. I think, um, it was five or six tries before it actually hit. And then I like compressed like afterwards, I was like, so God who did God send to help you get the battering? And he said, you. And I was like, okay. And we all moved on. Um, That's a hard lesson that I think a lot of lifelong Christians haven't learned that. The answer to prayer doesn't always look like what you expect. Well, and when you're expecting God to answer certain prayers of, you know, feed the hungry, care for people. Hey, you have hands. Um, and I think that's a. Yeah, because I was literally just standing there watching. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a hard lesson that. I think it's a very for me. mature level of faith that a lot of people never get to. Oh, yeah. Or I was just trying to protect my kid from not having his prayer answered. But hey, anyway, we live and learn. That came up. Yeah. But prayer also has its place. So I think we should pray out. Dear God, be with us. Help us build our relationships. Help us communicate. Help us understand each other. Give us patience, give us humility, give us your grace so that we can listen to each other and hear what the other person is saying and what they truly mean and not what we want them to mean or what we think they mean. And help us remember that ultimately we're on your team um, and you're on ours and that we need to help each other and, and that that's the way to win the game is to make sure that the other person is scoring points. 
In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks for listening. Please take a second to rate and subscribe to this podcast. It helps others to find us and to be hashtag blessed by the discussions that we have here. If you want to contact us, you can reach us on Instagram at Christ in the Chaos, or you can email us at Christ in the Chaos pod at email.com. Until next week, we hope you have a peaceful week. But even if you don't, remember that you can find us and Jesus waiting for you in the chaos.